I get to do the last sermon uh, before Pastor Mark and Suzanne come back. And I've just been reflecting on our Sunday morning series entitled A Jesus-Centered Summer. And hopefully each week has encouraged or challenged you, because I know it has for me, to continue to keep Jesus at the center of our lives. That sometimes we can check out over the course of the summer, we can kind of say, oh, I want to go to the lake, you know, I want to do all these things. And sometimes we can put God on the back burner. Um, But this has been a great time for us to remember to keep him as our main focus. Even though we're doing those things, we can continue to cultivate and grow our relationship with him. And so as as I was reviewing these sermons, I've seen each week kind of building on one another in different ways. And it's not that they're all connected uh, linearly, but I just see that there's ways for us to continue to build on our foundation and that we're laying these building blocks for our everyday lives. Okay? So if you remember back, so I'm going to take you on a quick little journey uh, and a recap of the summer. So if you remember back to the first week of June, we talked about maintaining our connection with God, that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, that he is our lifeline. And it's important for us to be so intertwined with Jesus that it becomes difficult to see where he ends and we begin. Okay? We've also discussed the concept of grace and that although grace is freely given to us, it is also costly. And that it was costly to Christ and that he left his throne by the right hand of God the Father. He took our sins and he died a painful death on our behalf. And it's costly to us Because his grace causes us to change the way that we live. We also saw that grace is a covering or a canopy for those times when we do stumble and fall. That we don't have to say, oh, that was my chance, I'm done. We can get back up and say, God, I want to keep following you, I want to keep serving you. We've also been challenged to follow Christ with passion and with a fire inside of us. To not let the things of the world and the the sense of the world kind of keep us from what God has in store. That we can remove our self-imposed limits and we can follow God wholeheartedly and obediently. Then we saw that our faith, our complete trust and belief in God, gives us hope. And because of hope, we can endure and persevere through life's challenges. And as we persevere with Christ's strength, we see that Christ-like character develops in us over time, and we become more and more like Christ as we allow him to do the work in us. Pastor or missionary Chris Martin encouraged us to be fearless and faithful. If you remember that, you know, we can respond to God's leading because we know that God is with us. So whatever he is calling us to, we can follow through with because God is with us at all times. We're called also to trust in the Lord and not our or man's understanding, right? We shouldn't poo-poo God's calling because it doesn't make sense to us. He is at work all around us, and he calls us to join with him. And lastly, we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and strength. This is not just a personal thing, but it should be carried out in our marriages, our families, our friendships, and all our relationships. That should be something that is evidenced all of the time in what we're doing. And so when I look back at all of these topics that we've covered, 
it's been quite a summer. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's been quite a summer. Okay, turn to your another neighbor and say, we're not done yet. We've looked at a wide array of concepts and ideas which help us to stay centered on Jesus day in and day out. And each one is pivotal for us as we continue to grow in Christ. And hopefully we can take each nugget, something from each of these things that we've talked about and discussed, and we can begin to incorporate them into our lives. And as we do that, we start to lay a solid and strong foundation in Christ. Something that we can continue to stand upon. Something that we can continue to grow and and be sure of where we're at. And over time, we're able to see how Jesus Christ is at work in our lives. Okay? So, take your Bibles or your Bible apps and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to touch on a few different verses this morning, but this morning we're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. In these verses, Jesus is wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount. He's given, at least according to Matthew, three chapters worth of teaching and things for the crowds to consider. And he's telling now the crowd a parable, a story. to show them the importance of following the principles of his kingdom. So let's start in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because... It had its foundation on the rock. Okay, so let me stop for a moment because I want to make sure that you catch this. In these verses, Jesus' parable tells us that the storms of life will come. There is no way to avoid it. They will come. We don't know when. We don't know what. But they will come. They are a reality of life in this world. And it happens even to those who are believers. So just because we trust in Jesus, just because we follow after him, does not give us an exemption card. We don't get to go scot-free without troubles and tribulations. As much as we would all love that, but sometimes that is taught that, you know what, as a follower of Christ, you're never going to have another trouble. I think most of us in this room can say, that's a bunch of bunk. Right? But the key thing that we can understand this morning is that having Jesus in our lives gives us a different perspective. A different lens through which we can view our storms. He is our rock. And we can know that the rock won't move. Turn to your neighbor and say, the rock won't move. Okay, I want you to catch that this morning. You're going to hear that. Oh, just a few times, okay? Back to verse 26. Because Jesus goes on to teach and say, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, 
and it fell with a great crash. So we see that there are two ways that we can approach Jesus and his teachings and what he holds for us. We can build our lives on that, or we can choose not to, and we can go after other things. The quick summary is that when we follow after Christ, we can be assured of our foundation. And with that perspective in mind, the storms of life come. They may try to beat us down, but they won't. We will stand. The other side is that we may go after other things, things that are more appealing to the world and things that are not Christ-based. And because of that, when we go after those things, they're not a solid foundation. And when we have the storms of life come in, we can begin to fall apart and we can begin to crash. Okay? So we have this decision regarding our lives. After hearing the truth about his kingdom, his grace, and his principles, each one of us gets to decide what we will do with that. We get to say, what am I going to do with Jesus? We can decide to honor him and put those things into practice, or we can ignore them and see what happens. When we choose to put them into practice, we're laying building blocks for our spiritual foundation. Little by little by little. Each different thing that we take a truth from God, and as we incorporate that into our everyday life, we begin to see that there are building blocks that begin to have that foundation built up, and Christ is the ultimate foundation. So when I hear things from teaching, and I hear things like John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. I can recognize that I need to stay connected to Jesus. I need to make sure that I keep that lifeline going and that I don't get severed from him or I don't begin to rot away because I'm not maintaining that relationship. I'm not cultivating it. So what do I need to do to stay connected, I might say to myself. I might say, oh, yeah, I can do that by spending time in his word. I can read it and not just read it out of the sense of duty, but read it to say, God, what are you trying to speak to me? And let me marinate, perhaps, in what he's written to me. Let me be that piece of meat that sits in the marinade and just soaks it in. And everyone's now really hungry, right? I feel like barbecue now. Okay? Let me listen to what he's speaking through his word. Or let me, what, did, what was God speaking to me during my time of prayer? It's those things that we do that help us to build that foundation. And as I do things like this, that foundation of Jesus Christ in my life grows and it becomes stronger. And ultimately, this will allow me and all of us to stand strong when the storms of life will come. Because the rock won't move. You see, when you or I set Jesus as the center of our lives, or we're continuing to develop that, where Jesus is becoming more and more the center of our lives. We know that he is constant. We know that he is faithful. We know that he is unmovable. That he is true. His promises, each and every one, are true for us. The whims of the world change constantly. 
right? They're unstable. They don't make sense after time. For example, you can't really bank on alcohol to get you through your difficult situation. We've seen it time and time again. You know, yes, it may numb your feelings for a little while, for a few moments, but where does it leave you when the buzz wears off? With a hangover? Maybe you're back to square one because nothing really changed. Now you just have a headache? I guess, yeah. But there are many other things that we can go after that aren't Christ-based that may try to take the place of Christ. And when we try to chase after those things, they don't have that assurance. They don't have that surety to help us and to give us that perspective that, you know what, I can make it. We were talking in pre-service prayer, you know, just having that, that vision of, you know, Christ is our goal. And, you know, with Christ as our goal, we can continue to go through the different things of life because we know that ultimately, as we continue to serve Christ, we'll see him one day. And all of these things will dim and fade away. But with Jesus as the center and core of my life, I know that the rock won't move. Say to your other neighbor, the rock won't move. Okay, Hebrews 13.8. Here's a great truth for you to take hold of. And it's something that testifies to this idea. Hebrews 13.8. In other words, it speaks to the rock won't move. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Okay, let me read that just in case you didn't get it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. If there's nothing else that you ever learn in your life, you can know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that can change our lives radically, just knowing that that no matter what we go through, Jesus Christ is always the same. He does not shift. He does not sway. He does not move. He does not crumble. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. So the things that I read in his word, how he helped people like Moses and Paul, people who had sinned, who had fallen, who had done great things against God, he transformed, and they were able to do awesome things for him. So the same God who helped them in their situation can now help me in my situation. And if I continue to lay that out, he'll help my children and the rest of my descendants in their situations as well. And when we're armed with this understanding, our perspective begins to change when the storms of life come. And I really think that perspective can be a huge thing for us. Because when we have our perspective right, it's amazing how we can look at things and how we can see them in a different way. So my wife Amy was having a conversation with a friend's family member this week. She had come in from western Canada and was visiting her family here in the area. And she just asked if they were jet-lagged from their trip. 
because they had had to get up really early um, the morning before and, and to travel here to Wisconsin. And the woman responded that it really didn't affect them, and it really didn't seem like a big deal. Because a few years ago, they had traveled to London on a nine-hour flight. Now, that was really long. So after that, all of their travels and the different places that they've had to go didn't seem like a big deal. Her perspective was different because of what had happened. She knew what was really long, and this was only maybe slightly long, but it didn't really affect them at all. Make sense? Okay. Another example of this is it's all about my wife. Okay. So, all right, I'm going to pause for just a second, and we just, I have to just brag because we just um, celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. And so, I didn't plan on doing that. So, and she loves when I do that kind of stuff to embarrass her. So, yeah. So, pray for 17. No, just kidding. I'm gone for a week, so that might help. Um, <laughs> but anyway, earlier this week, Amy's aunt had knee replacement surgery. Okay? So after coming out of the surgery, uh, she was pretty numb. You know, the meds were working and doing their thing and, and what needed to happen. Um, and they started the physical therapy. But the physical therapist uh, noted and, and specifically said that the healing won't come until you start to feel the pain, okay? So at some point real soon, she was going to need to decrease her meds so that she can start to feel the pain, know what she can and can't do, and be able to start using her, her knees and her legs and, and, and that type of thing. So after the therapist, her daughter-in-law, who was there and had heard everything, asked if that had made her nervous. You know, was she worried knowing that there was going to be pain coming? Now, to set a little bit of backdrop on this and to help with the perspective, this same aunt had radical surgery many years ago. She had a double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery, so they had to take skin and other stuff from the whole belly area and reconstruct, okay? So she knew what pain was. It wasn't like she was immune to it or didn't know about it. And so after this experience... She had that as her backdrop and as her reference point. Her, her perspective was a little different, and she noted that this pain would be doable. She said, the pain is still going to be there. I realize that. I'm not, you know, living in la-la land because the meds are starting to wear off. But it would still be noticeable. But even though it was noticeable, it would be doable, that I would be able to make it through the pain this time, especially because I've dealt with a lot worse. Our perspective on our situation can be a huge thing. And as Christ followers, we recognize that the storms of life will hit us. Whenever, whatever, they'll come. And we know that it's not going to be fun. It's not like we're wishing to be beat against by a difficult situation. I don't think any one of us has gone around, you know, cheering like, yay, I get to go through bad times. You know, no one is going around saying that. But when we do go through those times, we know that we're able to get through it, knowing that Christ is with us. 
that he's strengthening us and helping us to stand strong in him. He is our rock, and the rock won't move. And as I think of people who can demonstrate this for this, I think of the life of King David. He had a lot of messed up stuff that he had to deal with, difficult circumstances and ongoing battles through his life. Most of these are told in the last half of 1 Samuel and all throughout 2 Samuel. Um, So I had thought about reading all of that, but I figured no one wanted to hear me reading until about 4 o'clock this afternoon. So um, although if you do need a good nap, I've been told that I have a nice soothing reading and prayer voice. Uh, I don't know. That's what the teens say. But anyway, let me give you some of the highlights of what David went through. So here are some of the difficulties that David faced. After defeating Goliath, King Saul became very jealous of David and tried to have him killed, sending him on crazy missions against Israel's enemies. I won't even elaborate on some of those crazy missions because there are children in the room. Um, But that didn't work. So in 1 Samuel 19, King Saul tried to pin David to the wall with a spear. Sounds like a fun time, right? Yeah. Later in that same chapter, David had to escape from his own house when his wife, who was also King Saul's daughter, told him that there were men watching the house waiting to kill him. And you thought you had problems with your in-laws. In chapter 21, he had to flee to the land of the Philistines. But if you remember, he had killed their prize fighter, Goliath. So in order to stay alive, he had to fake that he was insane. You know, that's always fun. You know, have drool coming off your beard and everything. It's real good. Then in chapters 22 through 26, David's being chased by Saul and his armies all across the deserts and mountain areas of Israel. After becoming king, he had to deal with the death of his infant son. In 2 Samuel 13, he had to deal with the rape of his daughter by one of his own sons, her half-brother. In 2 Samuel 15 through 18, his son Absalom plots and works to take the throne from David, which caused David and his entire household and all of his advisors to flee Jerusalem. Now, these are just some of the challenges that David faced in his life. If you read through all of that, It's an interesting read, made for TV, you know, type stuff. And he was able to deal with each of them because of his relationship with God. David was not a perfect man. He sinned numerous times, and some of those are quite remarkable sins that most of us know about. But at his core, he trusted and he rested in God. He saw that God was his foundation. And he relied on him as his strength and hope. And through these times of challenge and stress, David would write many psalms. He wrote about these things on how God was his foundation. He would call out to God for help. And in those cries for help, he would recognize who God is. For example, in Psalm 18:2, he writes, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Notice the language that 
David uses in this verse. He starts off and he calls him his rock. Okay? So again, the rock won't move. Okay? If you don't get anything else from today, the rock won't move. Okay? But David uses language to describe the Lord to him. How through all of his struggles, through all of the difficult situations, God was his fortress. God was his refuge. God was his shield. God was his salvation. He was the one who was his stronghold. And he could rest and rely on God. He recognized that he could face any and every situation, whatever it was, because he had the Lord on his side. And he centered his life on the rock being the Lord. He knew that he could approach God and receive his protection. In Psalm 62, verses 6 and 7, he again writes, He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. And when he was opposed by enemies all around, and it was just something that was weighing on him, he writes and prays in Psalm 71, verse 3, Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. David noticed that even in his times of distress, that God was his rock. That didn't change. No matter what the situations were, he could come to God, his father, and lay his problems before God. And he knew that God was faithful. He also recognized that it wasn't going to be a fun time. That it was going to be difficult. That there was going to be stress and strain because of it. But he knew that the rock won't move and today we can choose what our perspective will be we can choose to stand on the rock who is jesus christ and he helps us to weather the storm or we can choose to go it alone trying to find our own item or our own idea to stand on and see where the chips may land how things are going to just shake out but as matthew seven twenty seven says that foundation falls with a great crash So, today, what will you do when the storms of life will come? There's a new song that we heard at camp, and I just think that it really reflects this message. And I hope and my prayer is that you and I can make this confession of faith. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. The rock won't move. The rock won't move. We get faced with different situations in life. And before my family and I came to Portview, I was faced with a difficult situation. I've shared it with many of you before, and a lot of you can relate. But after 34 years of marriage, my parents decided that they had had enough. That they separated, and within one year they were divorced. Now, Growing up in the church, this was not something that I was accustomed to. We had been in the church since before I was born. So to have something like this happen, divorce was not ever 
in our vocabulary. That was not something that was ever entertained, discussed, or whatever. So imagine, yes, I, at that point I was 33, probably had a little more hair, and, but at that time saw that God was still faithful. That even though my parents were making decisions on their own and it didn't make sense to me, I could fix my eyes on Jesus. He was the rock. That he was not going to move. And although it was a rough time for me personally, for my family, my siblings, and there's still repercussions that we deal with as a fallout of all of that, I knew and I still know that Jesus is faithful. That during those times, I needed and still need to focus on him. I need to fix my eyes on Christ Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father. I need to set my mind on things above and not on the things beneath. That I needed to cry out to him. When darkness tries to hide his face, I rest in his unchanging grace. The rock won't move. The rock won't move. So with Jesus Christ as our foundation, our perspective, our lens by which we view situations and changes, instead of being bewildered and stunned by what life throws our way, we can mimic what Paul says in Philippians 4.13. I can do everything. In other words, I can endure anything. I can walk through anything. I can make it through any situation. And how do I know that? Because it's Jesus Christ who gives me strength. When I rest and rely on him, as I keep my set sight on him, he gives me strength for those strains, for those situations that come up that don't make sense, that you're stunned by, but knowing that God is faithful helps us through it all. So when I hear that my grandma is suddenly ill and having stomach problems, And after a few tests, they discover she has stage four cancer, and within six weeks, she passes away. I can still say, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The rock won't move. Or if I would walk into work and find out that my position's been eliminated, and effective immediately, I'm jobless. I can say, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest in his unchanging grace. The rock won't move. The rock won't move. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. This morning, know that the rock won't move. Know this morning, the rock won't move. Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, does not change 
That's exciting. He does not change. He is faithful every single day. And he can help us with whatever we're going through. Whether it's large or small. It may be an annoying little cold that you can't seem to shake. It may be death. It may be somewhere in between. But the rock won't move. And Christ is at the right hand of God the Father working on our behalf. Be encouraged with that this morning. He is working on your behalf. He sees you where you are sitting right now. And he is working on your behalf. The encouragement today would be to continue to draw close to him. Make him your foundation. Continue to spend time with him through his word, through prayer, through just meditating on him, who he is, what he's done, the things that he's accomplished. Call on him and cry out to him as your rock, your refuge, your fortress, your shelter, your shield, your stronghold, your savior, your helper. Call on him and know that he is there. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word, that you are our foundation, that you are faithful every single day, that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. And today we can know without a shadow of a doubt, that the things that you've accomplished in the past, whether it be the things that we've read in your word or the things that we have heard or read about people's experiences with you, we know that you are faithful and that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know that our foundation is rock solid with you. That as we believe in you, as we follow after you, we can be assured that you are with us day in and day out. Hallelujah. That you are faithful. That you are there and you want to help us weather each and every storm. We simply need to call out to you. And so this morning, I just want to give that opportunity for you to just call out to the Lord and just say, God, I need your help with fill in the blank. God, I need you to intervene. God, I need you to give me strength. God, I need you to give me peace comfort and hope again. Lord, I pray for those who are just calling out to you right now that you would be their strength, that you would be their hope, that you would be their comfort and peace right now, even as we're sitting here in this place. Pray that you would just 
reveal the truth of your word in a a tangible way. Let us see that you are the prize that we can fix our eyes on. And that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that the rock won't move. And this morning, I feel that I just need to make sure or give an opportunity for anyone who may be saying, you know what, I don't have Jesus as my foundation. I don't have him as my rock. I don't have him as the one that I'm following after and and trying to uh, be in step with. Maybe I've never done it. Maybe I need to just recommit this morning. And if that's you, I would just encourage you to slip up your hand and just say, today I want to just rededicate or I want to say for the first time that I want Jesus as my foundation. If that's you, if you would just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I I thank you for those who have raised their hand and are just saying, you know what, today I need to respond and I need to refocus, recenter my life on Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would be with them, continue to help them to stay connected to you, to stay in, in step with you and continue to build that foundation on you. Pray for each one. Just guide them, Lord, I pray. We thank you, Lord, for your promises, that they are true, that they are constant, and that they are faithful. Pray that you would be with us as we leave this place. Help us to just be armed with the knowledge and the perspective that the rock won't move. We thank you, Lord. Be with us now as we go. In Jesus' name we pray.